1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
0: Hello, everyone. Alistair Gold here for the latest episode of Golden Guest Talk Tottenham as we look back on a very exciting and interesting and hmm, controversial, in some aspects, North London Derby. As you are probably already aware, Guesty is still on his travels so that's why I'm kind of heading up the show and that also means again I am joined by boss of football.london Lee Wilmot how you doing Lee?
1: I'm very well glad to be here again and another week here I am again um anyone who's watching on youtube and not listening on the various podcast platforms um two things i apologize massively for it being a red microphone that i'm uh, i'm in uh, today given the weekend um and yeah i apologize that there's um there's no football tottenham football shirts behind me i'm in i'm in canary wharf towers uh, in the podcast studio so um hopefully things are a little bit more high def um in that regard does look a little bit more like you are a proper like
0: radio DJ. <laughs> You're doing this for Cherry.
1: I do have a face <laughs> radio, so
0: <laughs> that's one for the older
1: kind of viewers.
0: That that's called Harry Enfield, isn't it? Harry Enfield in Chums or something like that. Um, right, do, you did watch this game, I presume. This wasn't one where <laughs> you were kind of by the side of a football pitch with your son uh, watching on your phone in some capacity.
1: I couldn't not see this one, could I really? North London <laughs> Derby. Um, if if anyone, even if my wife had made plans, I think I would have changed them. Um it's Arsenal Tottenham, so yeah, not not gonna miss this one.
0: Do you know what? This was I went there with my normal dread G Emirates. You know, you just rock up at the front of it and it, it just kind of makes me shudder because I know what's normally to come. But I must admit, probably from about it would have been probably after Sonny's second goal, there was a moment where I was kind of like I'm not actually worried. The Spurs seem to know what they're doing today. Um, and it was, yeah, it was a whole different vibe, which we'll kind of get into over this. I should just stress, only because it's happened just moments before we started recording on that. Um, Spurs have announced the signing of Luka Voskovic, uh, the young 16-year-old who everyone was heralding as the <laughs> person that was going to uh, take Eric Dyer's place. It's not quite like that. He is going to come in two years' time. Um, But the fact that Spurs actually officially announced it shows that, you know, it is what it is. It's a big signing for the future. And he's a very talented young player who will join up in 2025. And to be honest, we're going to talk about in this podcast about the incredible kind of young players that Spurs are assembling now on this squad. And he will only add to that in a couple of years' time. So we will watch on with great interest to see what is happening with him. But I think we have to dive straight into North London Derby, really. What was your overriding emotion, let's say, at the final whistle? What did you feel?
1: Um, yeah, just quite content, I think, um, given, as you said, how we've played at the Emirates over the years. one, one, Only one win at the Emirates since um, it opened, and I think it's only one other win at Arsenal when it was at Highbury in the Premier League era, so only two wins away from home in, in the North London derby. So, um I, I've said it so many times before I kind of, I love and loathe the North London Derby in equal measure, um, just because of how exciting and how massive the games are, but how nervous I get, um, watching them and and how much kind of is riding on it as a fan, um, you, the, kind of the, the whole football tribalism, um, aspect in this country just means you, you kind of, you're in it, you're in the whole thing. And the whole day I was working, um, yesterday morning, um, on the site and and I didn't really, I didn't really get nervous um, yesterday, which was very strange until about half an hour before kickoff. off, um, and then the usual kind of North London der- derby nerves kicked in. And then, as you say, it was after we equalised the second time, I th- there was there was no, there was nothing, there were no nerves or anything. I I was very sure um, that Spurs would either see out the game for a, for a draw or, or go and nick a winner. Um, which is which is very weird to, to feel like that in one of those games, particularly away from home. Um, so yeah, con- content is probably um, exactly what I was feeling at the end um, because Spurs didn't put me through the ringer <laughs> on a North London derby, really. Absolutely,
0: I, I, yeah, I'd go with content, and I think a tinge of disappointment actually, um, only because of that late Richarlison kind of deflected effort that just rolled wide, and you kind of, and I think the players were similar. I don't think the players were particularly celebrating afterwards, you know, as they shouldn't really. Let's be honest; it's a draw at the end of the day. But I do think there's a slightly deeper significance to it and what it means to the Postecoglou foundations that he's putting in early on. But I love the fact that they still wanted more from that, and just most of all for me was the sense of. Spurs going there, being brave, refusing to be put off this new style of football they're going to play, even with little mistakes. And even Arsenal, I thought, pressed really well early on as well. Obviously, they had a big moment with Gabriel Jesus' shot over the bar off. He dispossessed Madison. But kind of, I felt like they just went, do you know what? We've got a manager who tells us, and they believe this, that if we lose the ball, it's his fault because he wants us to play in this way. It's not our fault. We're not going to get flack for this. The fans aren't going to moan at us. They're going to say, oh, this is how Posso wants them to play. And I think it's such a huge weight lifted off their shoulders. Let's be honest. At Spurs, the burden of kind of being Spursy weighs heavily on Tottenham players. It always has. And that's probably why they've been such an almost team for so long. Um, and Posso it just feels like the right man at the right time to just take that weight off their shoulders. And I thought we saw a first big example of that yesterday in terms of, I mean, Destiny and Doggy, we'll talk about him in a little bit more depth in a a mo, but he, for me, epitomized that of someone that had a couple of early wobbles and probably for the second half of the game was one of the best players on the pitch in terms of, you know, he was just dominant. Postacoglu said that he he was dominant down his side of the pitch. And he's up against, for me, one of the best wingers in Europe in Saka. I think he's that good. He's such a terrific player. Um, but as the game wore on, he became less and less of, of a, an imposing figure on on the encounter. Um, and that was crucial for me. And I mean, I've got some stats from just to show you the stark difference in games. So last year's match, obviously, it's slightly exacerbated by Emerson Royale getting that 62nd minute red card. But I still felt the game itself was heading in this direction anyway. So last year, Spurs had 35% of possession and they managed 307 passes to Arsenal's 565, and they had seven shots to Arsenal's 22. This time around, Spurs had more of the possession at the Emirates, 54%. They played more passes than Arsenal, 435 to Arsenal's 370, and they had just as many shots as Arsenal, 13, with one less on target. They have five shots on target. And when you look at it, Arsenal kind of had to rely on a an own goal and a VAR assisted penalty, whereas Spurs scored two lovely goals. Um, I'd say both goalkeepers were tested. Probably Raya more so with the Johnson one. I felt Vicario made some good saves. I wouldn't say he was like they were incredible saves. Whereas I thought Raya's save, albeit from a scuffed Johnson shot, was very good. And obviously, like I say, Gabriel Jesus' big effort was was probably a key moment uh, when it could have become two nil,
1: but. I did this think our, that um Vicario's save from Jesus in the first half was a was a very good save actually though.
0: Yeah, it was a good save. Yeah, I wouldn't say spectacular, but it was a good save. Yeah. Um and that's a good thing about Vicario. I think we just expect him now to make these good saves. Um he, he yeah, we've got we've got more to talk about Vicario and a certain challenge made on yeah. him as well. Um but yeah, it was again a brave but actually let's let's go to Hugh for this. What did you make of the lineup when it was announced?
1: Uh, very brave in particular to th- to throw Brennan Johnson in for his his full debut um in a in a big game against Arsenal obviously um but yeah i don't think there was any any anything other than that that was that was the one big call that i think um that i think Ange made um you could have made a case for oh, Manu Solomon to start yeah, you, I was just going to say, you could have made a case for Mana Solomon starting, you could have made a case for Richarlison starting. Um, I think you and I both had Richarlison in um, our, our kind of our team that we would have played um, beforehand, just purely because of of what he brought um, against Sheffield United at the end of the match and kind of deserving his chance and being a little bit of a, a focal point um, potentially as well because you've talked about there how Postacoglu wants them to play out from the back and he'll take responsibility if they make mistakes. And that was epitomized by, I think one moment in the first half where Vicario kicked it long and the ball just came straight back. Um, because you're playing Sun through the middle, he's not gonna, he's not gonna jump higher than Saliba or Gabriel and, and, and hold the ball up. Richarlison may have been able to do that. Um, but yeah, he, yes, we're gonna make mistakes, um, passing the ball out from the back, but it's infinitely better to do that, particularly when you see it come off. Um, yes, there might be one occasion, two occasions in a match where it doesn't come off. And I think we've seen that in most matches so far this season. There have been a P- Poros lost the ball a couple of times um in matches. at Madison this time for the, the Gabriel Jesus chance, obviously. They, they are going to make mistakes here and there. But when when things go right, um it's it's very right. You, we come out we come out striding out with the ball. Um the fullback can can invert um can make up the extra man in midfield and and you're on the attack. And when you've got Kurzewski Brennan Johnson and his pace son with his pace as well. If you can get the ball forward and get out of those situations in five, 10 seconds, you're, you're so far up the pitch and, and making chances for yourself. It's just so easy on the iron. Just so much better than what we've been used to in the last few years. It's great.
0: <laughs> Let's be honest. It's so good compared to the oh, just dirge. We were kind of served up um, and no one wants to be served up dirge. It was, um, oh, it is it's like night and day, um, and honestly, the amount of, you know, obviously I was sat next to Kaya, our Arsenal, um, my Arsenal colleague, Arsenal reporting colleague at Football to London, and and even he, he, you know, you could see it's it's a different Spurs, and the amount of national journalists that maybe dip in and out of Tottenham coverage. Um, and they were saying to me afterwards, "Like, oh, wow, that, that was that? that, that's, that's a very different Spurs. It's like, oh yes, it is. It's great. It's like, welcome to our world. We're actually enjoying reporting on the team again. Um, and I think a brave team selection is absolutely what Postacoglu is about. It's just what he does. Um, he really, I think it's a way of kind of showing the players. Well, I'm going to make brave decisions so you know why there's no reason you shouldn't play bravely as well because i'm doing exactly the same let's all crack on in this kind of direction so if people aren't aware of the goals obviously the first goal incredibly unfortunate um saka kind of cut inside hits a shot that's going wide romero shoves the leg out in any other given day he blocks that shot Obviously, it's a North London derby, so the ball hits his leg and flies right inside the right-hand post as well. It looked like Vicario had it covered, even if it had kind of curled that little bit more. Um, but no, no. Romero's touch knocks it straight inside that post. Um, but then Spurs kind of sweep up the pitch. Good move. Um, it's actually a bit of a longer ball. Madison kind of knocked it higher to, to Kulisevsky down the right. He knocks it into the middle. Uh, Brennan Johnson has a... A good effort gets on the back post. Johnson's movement, I felt, yesterday, was superb. But, um, yeah, we'll talk about him in a little bit more depth. Um, Johnson's shots uh, blocked, comes back out. Udogi, having re- kind of um, recovered from his early little wobbles, heads it into the path of Madison, who twists and turns Saka, knocks the ball into the centre, and it's a lovely little flick from Son into the far corner. Then we have the penalty incident in the second half. Um I mean, yeah, kind of it was Saka shot, wasn't it? Was it Saka again? No, it was Ben White. Ben White, <laughs> Ben White, okay. Um I was so kind of busy looking at the actual handball, I don't think I remember even looking at who had the shot. Um yeah, obviously big moment. What did you make of it? Handball, not handball, should have been a penalty or not?
1: Um, probably an unpopular opinion amongst Spurs fans, but I, as soon as I saw it, I thought it was a penalty. Um, I, I get the arguments. Um, I, I understand where people are coming from with, oh, it's so close to him. What else is he supposed to do with his arm? Um, this is, it's just natural when you're sliding out, trying to block a shot. That's, that's what's going to happen. You can't always have your arm by your side, et etc. Et I get that. I understand it. Um, but for me, Ben White is going to score. That ball, you can make an argument that Eve Bissouma on the line might have made the block behind Romero, but Ben White, for me, is going to score. It's denying a goal, essentially, with Romero's arm, and no matter how you look at it, I, I personally, I think that's a penalty all day long. Um, it's, it's hit his arm in the box, stopping stopping a goal, so whether it's accidental or um on purpose... I think it's a penalty. If and I think you wrote it in in your talking points afterwards. If that was at the other end, and that was Christy Romero having a shot that hit Ben White's arm, I would be screaming for a penalty. Um, so in in that respect, I think you have to you have to accept that it is a penalty.
0: Yeah, it's. I think I'm in the same place as you are. To be honest, I I can completely understand the view that in in the fact that he's kind of lunging in to block an effort. His arms are going to naturally be there, although it looks unnatural. That is kind of the way his arms are going to be if you're flinging yourself down with your knee on the floor to try and do that. However, absolutely, your arms up in the air—it's stopping uh, the ball heading towards the goal. I think, and Postacoglu actually was probably the strongest he's ever been on a refereeing decision thus far, and he's not one to really comment on them. And he kind of afterwards was was very much saying like he just doesn't understand the handball rule. I think just doesn't understand what. Yeah, I don't think anyone does. Like, what is, what isn't? And he said, you know, unless we develop defenders with no arms, <laughs> we're gonna kind of this is going to come up in each game. Um, I had Kaya next to me who was insistent that it should have been a red card, which I felt would be <laughs> probably the harshest red card ever. I was trying to explain, no, I think, you know, there's Basuma behind him, and it's not a deliberate attempt to stop the ball going towards the goal with his hand either. It was very much just, it, he's got in the way of it, and it's hit his arm kind of thing. Yeah, I I didn't have too many complaints with it, and I know some Spurs fans will. And I saw Gary Neville afterwards. I looked at it, I saw his quotes, and he was very much saying if he was a defender, he'd be really annoyed. Sorry, defender still playing, he'd be annoyed because that is naturally how your um, your body would go getting into that position. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I think it was fair, but I think what's was most important thing in terms of the game and the uh, the momentum of the match was that within a minute Spurs went up the other end and scored an equalizer. Obviously, Jorginho had come on for Declan Rice at halftime. I think another little pivotal thing in the game as well, Declan Rice. I I would imagine Declan Rice would not have been so slow on the ball in that moment as Jorginho was. I don't know what he was doing. From the moment that Madison started to run at him, there was a lot of time for him to do anything with that ball other than what he ended up doing with it. But fair play to Madison. I mean he said afterwards that he felt that he might not quite be on it yet, having come on. Um and he might be slightly uh in a bit of a daydream and, and that was what proved to be. And he ran on and they kind of almost were letting Madison run as if saying you have the shot rather than pass it to Son and he just waited till the perfect moment to slide into Son's path. And it was a lovely finish from Sonny as well. Um and I think richly deserved, really. And I actually felt from that point on, Spurs really kind of held the game in their hand. And if anyone was going to score a third, it probably felt like it was going to be them. Um, Saka had that late, low shot, didn't he, that Vicario pushed away that I yeah, remember.
1: That, again, I think that was that's, that's a save you would expect Vicario to make. Um, yes, yeah. it was low. It was in the corner. But I think he had time to to get down and, and push it around the post.
0: Yeah, I think so. And and Richardson obviously had that late effort. He also had the kind of big deflected looped effort that I actually thought, oh, <laughs> Ryan's going to take it to his own goal we're going to have like a Mendez-ish moment Pedro Mendes moment but it wasn't um,
1: there was one Poro moment ben. actually um, just even before that where I, I was screaming at the TV which will go unnoticed and um, on the highlights and everything um, but Poro got down the right and had yes. Son completely free in the middle um, and just didn't get enough just didn't get the ball in front of the defender enough and it went out for a corner. It was blocked out for a corner, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if, if that had got where it should have gone, that that was three. someone was putting that away for his hat-trick.
0: Yeah, and that was unusual for Poro, because his quality has been superb from those kind of positions. Um, and there's also another moment when Kulusevsky puts Son through. and I think he hit the side netting. Um, so yeah, I felt like, like Spurs went there and did everything you'd kind of expect Arsenal to do, to be honest, which uh, was the most pleasing thing. And, you know, we we can't get away from the fact that over the last year or so, a little bit longer, Arsenal have been the more dominant side in North London. They had a a season where they challenged for the title. They ultimately fell short, um, but they strengthened in the summer with, you know, one of the best midfielders out there in Declan Rice for me, and... Yeah, they had a game in midweek, but it was a game they strolled in the Champions League against PSV. And I had one Arsenal covering journalist who I won't name before the game said to me, Well, Spurs, surely, the way it sounds like, they're going to play the same way as PSV did. So they're going to absolutely be picked apart and ripped, you know, destroyed. No, no, they were not. Um, Wasn't it Paul Merson said before they were going to be humiliated and destroyed or something like that? You can always kind of rely, can't you? When Paul Merson says something, <laughs> you're yep. likely the opposite might happen. Um, but yeah, it's it, it was a good performance. It was something to build on. Um, and there's loads of little bits and pieces we can delve into. Actually, let's go into the other controversial moment that we kind of hinted at earlier. Eddie Nketiah, 67th minute. Had a bit of a frustrating game in Ketia, He'd had that one early shot that um, the Vicario had saved but didn't really do anything of note. I thought his pressing was quite good in the first half. That's probably the best thing I'd say about his performance. 67th minute, he launches in. I don't think there was any intent to harm or try to catch Vicario. I think it was purely an attempt to block the pass that Vicario was trying to make. However, in doing so, he went absolutely through Vicario. um, With his foot up high, because he was trying to block with his instep, I presume. But most ooh, wincingly, when I watched it back, you can see the kind of, between his legs, almost like a slight scissors motion, sweeps Vicario's right foot underneath. Had Vicario's foot not been planted, I think we could be looking at a very, very long absence for Vicario and probably a leg break. Did you think that should have been a red card?
1: Yes. Um, when I saw it, when you when you see the replay, when it's... Um in in real time it didn't look great at all um it looked like an awful sliding challenge and then when you see the replays there's just that moment where and footballers will probably tell you this is it's just what happens but there's that moment where he goes to slide in and get the ball and then once the ball is gone his foot then comes up and it becomes far too high for a sliding tackle um yeah, yeah. Premier League footballs may say, "Oh, that's just the kind of that's the motion. Um, you you can't control where your foot's going to go, essentially." And but it was so high, um, it could have it could have been really damaging. Um, and I'm really surprised that I, d- I don't know what they what they did in the stadium. Um, but there was there was nothing on on Sky Sports coverage saying that there was a potential red card check um, at all. Uh, I know it normally comes up in stadiums when when VR are having a look at it. So whether they just didn't have a second look at it or whether it was just cast aside really quickly, I don't know. But for me, that is a very dangerous tackle. And as you say, could have broken his leg if he'd made contact. Um, So you you see it so often that it's it's all about intent. Referees work on intent. And you saying, you don't think there was any malicious intent there to injure the player? No, there probably wasn't. I don't think Eddie Nketi is that type of player at all. Um, But the intent was there with his leg high. So just because he didn't make contact, I don't think it should have gone under the radar essentially. Um I think we've seen on Sky Sports coverage this morning, um Dermot Gallagher said he he's a he's a lucky boy. Um if it had been given as a red card, VR wouldn't have overturned it. Um so yeah, I I, I, I thought it should have been a red card and I thought VR should have actually given it a proper look.
0: Yeah. I, I thought it should have been a red card. Um, I still, yeah, I believe he's going in there to make a block. I don't think he's going in there to even challenge Vicario. I think he's misjudged the fact that Vicario's leg is naturally going to swing in that direction as he takes the uh, hits the pass. However, it doesn't matter if the intention isn't there because it ended up being an out of control, reckless lunge. Um, and, oh, thank goodness for Vicario, Cause Vicario has been superb. He's had such a great start to life at Spurs. And just like I say, had his studs even caught in the turf that little bit more, that that would have been him out for a year, year and a half. I don't know how long he'd be out for something like that, maybe longer. Because um, it would always oh,
1: just think about. It. It's horrible. It's crazy, isn't it? That you, if Vicario had done what 80% of footballers do and actually thrown himself to the floor um, and as if he'd been, as if their contact had been made, VAR might have actually had a look more at it than they did.
0: Well, to be fair, contact was made, and he was hurt, and he did go in on the floor. He was he was down for a little while. But I think yeah, I just from what Dermot Gallagher said today, it was looked at by VAR and they just felt that the yellow card was sufficient and it wasn't enough to kind of make him have another look at it, which I find mind-boggling because they took about 36 minutes looking at the Romero kind of moment and the for the penalty. Um, I mean we had about God, what do we have? Was it um 10 minutes? Yeah, it was 10 minutes added yeah. time at the end of the game. Whereas I felt for that, it was just brushed aside that little bit too easily for me. Um and I you know, I don't want any player to get sent off, and I don't want anyone to kind of get punished any more severely than they should. I just felt and I'm not really want to talk about tackles and challenges in football because I think, especially in a derby, it's part of the full-throttle nature of it, and I don't think that's a bad thing in a game. I just felt that this one was too easily cast aside by VAR, um, and that's the kind of thing they are there for. It's to say, Ooh, okay, that's, you know. And I look across, and it was Augusto, wasn't it, in the Chelsea game. Yeah. Uh, different kind of challenge, but I kind of see real parallels in the two of them of how dangerous both could be. Um, yes, that one was more of a kind of an ankle height, but, you know, ugh, honestly, I can't really... I, I had to watch the replays because I was writing a little article on it earlier. And every time I watched it, I was like, I wish I hadn't pressed play. It's it just, it's the thought of what could have happened that's yeah. as bad as what did happen. Um, but, yeah, but thankfully, Vicario, all fine. And uh, Eddie Ketia gets to play another day without any suspension. Yeah. Um, so, looking at the Spurs players through this game, I want to start with the young ones because I felt that this performance was really uh, personified how impressive this young group that Poster is putting together. Um, let's start with Destiny and Doggy because from what I understand, Gary Neville was giving a little bit of a hard time on Sky back in the, in the, in the studio, um, which for me, I'd understand for the first 15 to 20 minutes and even for the goal... I felt maybe for the, the, the first goal, he was a little bit caught on his heels, um, having had that yellow card after a bit of a late lunge on Saka. But I did also feel that Brendan Johnson kind of ran into his path of where he would have gone into to get closer. From then, I thought he did well. I mean, what did you make of Adoghi's, Adoghi's performance overall?
1: I've, I've loved what I've seen so far this season um, from him. Um, I think we all knew th- that he was a talented boy, um, but we didn't perhaps expect him to hit the ground running like he has. Um, yeah, the, the goal in particular, there's two new players, isn't it? Um, perhaps not communicating with one another, Brian Johnson's, yeah. probably for one of the only times in the first half, actually came back and helped him um, and probably hindered him in, in that regard because neither of them, both of them went with... Um, White, I think it was overlapping um, and gave Saka that space. Yeah. And as you've said, he is one of the best forward players in Europe at the minute, Bakayo Saka. Um, and if you let him come back on onto his left foot and give him that amount of time, he's going to do damage. Um, as it turns out, the shot was actually going wide and um, and Romero diverted it in. But yeah, U- Udugi, um a really difficult first 15, 20 minutes um, and yeah, he was given a torrid time by Saka. He was given a torrid time by Gary Neville on co-commentary duty, thinking that he wasn't up to the task. And um, there was even talk of um, Ange, Neville suggesting that Ange bring Ben Davis on um, because of the yellow card and how good Saka is. But it's testament to him in particular just how easy that second half was for him. Um, we know how good Saka is. It's Yes, Saka played on Wednesday, but he did come off. Um, in the Champions League, didn't play the full 90. Um th- there's no there was no need for Saka to be fatigued or anything like that. Um and it was just it was a walk in the park in the second half for for Udogi really. He wasn't given any problems by Saka whatsoever and just grew into the game um after a really difficult spell um when yeah people are suggesting that he should come off um don't want to don't want to be red carded in a big game like this. I think he was very disciplined um and stuck to his guns. And yeah, I'm, I'm really excited by by what he can do this season. Um didn't perhaps get into those midfield positions as much as he would like, but it's a at Arsenal. Um you, you can't expect that he'll have better days going forward than than against Arsenal. Um but yeah really 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 good performance after yeah after a tough 15 20 minutes um can't can't really fault him after that really I thought he was excellent. I thought it was really
0: mature, just a really mature performance that, as Postacoglu said, it would be such a great learning experience for him. He's taken on one of the best, had a few issues, had a few troubles, but kind of learnt in-game from it, and has just come on so strongly as the game wore on. And like I said, played his part in the build-up to the first goal as well. He was not afraid of getting forward, and there was a few moments where you could see him thinking about making a challenge, but he didn't do it. He, he kind of kept his composure. Um, yeah, I, I was really impressed with the way he reacted. So I was quite surprised when I kind of could see social media saying that he was being hammered by, um, Gary Neville. And I kind of thought that's a very early call within a game. That really is. Um, and yeah, can you imagine what it would have done to his confidence had he brought Ben Davies on after like 25 minutes or so? That'd just been ridiculous. And let's be honest, you know, I like Ben Davies and what he brings to Spurs squad, But Ben Davies up against Saka's pace would have been ridiculous. It it wouldn't have worked in that scenario at all. And I felt that was the thing about a doggy. Um, Another young player. Actually, not so young player, but I'm kind of – he's only 24, but I'm switching to the other flank now. Pedro Porro, for me, is really going under the radar of just how good a defender he's becoming as well. We're kind of, and, and myself included, we're kind of quick to praise the attacking things he did. I mean, even earlier I was saying about, you know, his ability to ping a ball into the box and the passes he made. But I think it's kind of going unnoticed by a lot of people what Postacoglu's done with him as a defender. And also a huge praise to poro as well, because he is, how do I put this? He's... Taken the transition from wing back to right back, bearing in mind the first time we saw him do it was against Newcastle United at St. James's Park in an absolute destruction of a game. um And he's almost a bit like a doggy in a way. He has taken that as the biggest lesson he can have. He's bounced back. And I honestly, I, I've struggled. Sorry, I haven't given him any marks. I don't think in my player ratings yet this season that have been below a certain, maybe eight or seven, at least. He's been so consistently good defensively. And bearing in mind, pre-season, I was giving him a bit of flack because a few of the pre-season goals were coming from his kind of area in the penalty box. But I just think he's tightened up. He didn't really play too much of an attacking role. Doggy was the one maybe getting more forward yesterday Um and the other thing that Porro has done really well for me is inverting. When he comes inside into the middle, he looks incredibly comfortable. He looks like a guy that's used to playing as a central midfielder. Um, yeah, I just honestly just just want to have my little Porro praise moment there because I, I do think he's gone under the radar.
1: Considering I said to you on the podcast last week about um, the fact that Martinelli's injury might have swayed the decision to play Porro rather than Emerson, who has that bit, bit more capability about him defensively. Um, yeah, he's he, he was he was brilliant. Um, I think they all were, to be fair, um, yeah. all four of them at the back. I think Christian Romero had a great game um, and has got unlucky that he's conceded an own goal and conceded a penalty. So it looks like he's he's, he's been awful. Um, but for the the rest of the kind of the 89 minutes of those 90 um i thought he was he was brilliant uh, mickey van der ven as well i know you gave him your man in the match and your player ratings what a talent he is um just so calm and composed on the ball and just we haven't really we haven't even seen a huge amount of his pace yet which is which is what he was he was kind of he was bought for um we, we, he's just in the right position at the right time he doesn't need to use his pace because he's he's so disciplined and um, and and so just solid in, in where he is um yeah, the, the back four, um, back five, Vicario, excellent, I thought.
0: Absolutely. With with Van de Ven, he, did, he had one of those moments, and sometimes you get them in games. There was one, I hate to go back to the Nuno time, but in the um, first game against Man City, there was a moment when Jaffet Tenganga did a big challenge. I can't remember who it was on now. It might have been Grealish. I can't, Grealish had been there then? I can't remember who it was on. But it was a big challenge that kind of set the tone for the rest of the game. And for me, on... Sunday and yesterday, Van der Ven did a terrific challenge. Um, I think it was in running through down the left-hand side, and he just matched him for pace, swept in with this sliding challenge. It just for me, just showed him probably and the rest of the backline. It's like, no, we got this. We got this. If they break through, we've got this. We've got the pace to deal with this. And actually, it was the only tackle that Van der Ven needed to make the entire game, which sums up the way he played. And people would always say this about Ledley King that. He didn't actually need to slide in and make many challenges because his reading of the game was so good. And he would have this ability to usher players into less dangerous areas around the the penalty box. And that's exactly what Van der Ven did. Um, And I love the the moments he does show his pace, funny enough, when he just motors away. It's just that little bit of acceleration where he knows he can get it through a gap. So that's the beauty of the press uh, or beating the press with Spurs is not only can they pass around it, but they've got someone like... Van der Ven, who could just suddenly put the afterburners on and sweep it up their own half, he was superb. Um, we talk about Madison being this incredible bargain buyer for Tottenham and, and how ridiculously well he fits the Postacoglu system. I think uh, Van der Ven is a very close second in how effortlessly he fits the Postacoglu puzzle, as it were. He's just a piece that slides into it so well it's um, 22. <laughs> I, I never feel as old as when I look at how young <laughs> players are and how well they do. It always makes me cast my mind back to what I was doing at 22. And I was not playing in a North London derby. Absolutely not. After we're doing something utterly wasteful with my time. <laughs>
1: Um, yeah. These, these players it. are going to go under the radar this season as well, but you, you only need to see. Uh, yeah, you only need to see the um, the Sky Sports coverage beforehand, and everyone's talking, as they will do, about Madison, about Sun, um, about Brent Johnson playing, making his debut, um, about Besuma's resurgence um, in the middle of the pitch. Um, and it was Les Ferdinand with um, with Jamie Redknapp um, at the game, uh, and just saying they would just worry about the defence. Spurs have got everything going forward, but um, the defence is is perhaps a little bit young um, and and naive, um, and perhaps won't be able to won't be able to cope. But I think they showed on Arsenal, and these these people aren't going to watch Spurs every week like we do. Um, apart from that game where I was. Uh, with my son, uh, mm. grassroots, obviously, <laughs> um, they're not going to watch them and they're not going to see what these defenders do on a regular basis. They're only going to see highlights and they're only going to see them make little mistakes because Ange Postacoglu is asking them to play out from the back and they they are all, all four of them, excellent. Um, and have started the season excellently as well. Um, so yeah, they are going to go under the radar and yes, so much the better for it, I think. Absolutely.
0: From what I understand, some of the foreign broadcasters, because there were a lot of broadcasters, I think, it was maybe about 17, 18 TV interviews that Spurs had to kind of, were committed to doing after the game, which is just ridiculous. And from what I understand, I think a few of them were trying to almost sell Spurs players on already. And and there was like some comments about some of the players being able to, you know, play at Man City or Real Madrid and stuff to Postacoglu, which I'm sure he treated with the... uh, the utter disdain that that deserves. But um, yeah, I mean, I love the fact that they're under the radar at the moment. You know, I I just kind of felt doggy going to this game, there was a little bit more notice. All it takes is someone like Ian Wright mentioned him, didn't he? On something ahead of the game. It's, oh, don't, don't just let him be. We we don't want you lot to know about these players. And van der Ven, you know, You can shove in with the Paul Merson category, Tim Sherwood, who didn't need at the start of the season go, he's wooden. He's a wooden player. You know, he's just so like kind of, uh, it's just like, he's not. He's actually a really kind of elegant player in the way he plays. He actually reminds me of Jan Vertonghen. There's a real kind of side to him where he uses the ball so well. He, like I say, has that turn of pace. He reads the game so well. Yeah, I wouldn't say he's wooden at all. I was watching, there was a couple of moments when Saka was really kind of going at him. Because what happened as well, and this I don't think was made too much of, knowing that Udogi was in a little bit of a, an issue that he had a yellow card, Van de Ven was often coming across and helping out and being more of a presence in dealing with Saka. And there was a few moments where actually I had Sherwood's wooden kind of quote in my head. Um, and I was watching, I was like, this is the kind of point then where a wooden player would be turned inside out by Saka got nowhere near turning him out whatsoever. He was in utter control of the situation each time and Saka wasn't able to get past him. He had to pass it away. Van der Ven Romero has the potential and all of the traits within those players of being a wonderful partnership at Tottenham Hotspur for years to come. And that's the scary or great thing, I guess, not scary, scary for other teams, is that you look at it and you look at Vicario, if he continues in this vein that he's going down, he could absolutely be the new number one keeper for years to come. You look at Romero and Van der Ven. They've got such a lovely balance to their partnership. They could be the next, uh, you know, out of pairing. Look, I know it's six games in. It's a very, very early day. It's in its infancy, but you can see the green shoots of something there. And then you've got Doggy and Porro, who have just grown into their roles. And the key thing to sides that want to do anything is having a settled back four and a goalkeeper and i think spurs finally finally might have one in their squad again um yeah honestly it's very it's very exciting it's very very you can hear it in my voice i'm actually <laughs> very excited about it um, and as we're at the halfway point in the show it rem- it would seem the perfect time to uh, remind everyone that the golden guest talks on podcast is sponsored by NordVPN And you can use the service in a host of different ways to enhance your internet experience nordvpn is the fastest vpn in the world and that means there's no buffering no lagging and you can stream your favorite shows from anywhere in the world without your bandwidth throttling it's something i've done many many a time use nordvpn around the world to help me out when i've needed to watch shows or watch any sporting event or something that i would have paid for back at home but for some reason as soon as you hop across the border pesky restrictions seem to come into place that stop you watching things that you've actually paid for so it allows you to set your device to thinking it's back home and you can just watch things whatever you want really and also there's a big element of security to it as well in that when you uh, log on to public wi-fi's nordvpn can really help you lock down a lot of what you want to lock down on your um, devices and stop those nasty people taking them anything out of it and not only that but the outlay on a nordvpn subscription is cheaper for you in the long run And that's because you can purchase streaming services or make bookings from other countries at a much cheaper rate. For example, let's say you could book flights from another country rather than booking them from the UK, and that could end up saving you money. So that means you're paying out for Nord, but you are saving money overall. There's a whole host of other benefits from signing up to NordVPN, so why not give it a go? You can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash goldguest to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus four additional months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. So moving further up the pitch a little bit, another young player. We mentioned him already, Brennan Johnson. Full debut, thrown into a North London derby. I mean, I guess he's a £47.5 million pound signing, so this is what's going to be expected. What did you make of him?
1: Um, I felt a bit sorry that he um, he went off injured, actually, um, because I've been speaking about it to a couple of the Arsenal reporters we got in the office with me today. Um, didn't they were, It was a bit quiet at the start of the first half, but that was to be expected. Um, I think you're away at Arsenal. You expect there to be an onslaught from the home side in a North London derby like that. You don't expect to have perhaps too much of the ball. You don't perhaps expect to be able to get out your own half too much in the first 15, 20 minutes because the home side will be roared on by a vociferous crowd um, and will be expected to, to to get on the front foot and, and get ahead early. So yeah, he he wasn't involved much early on, but then then came into it Um had his big chance obviously that he just didn't. He might say he did connect with it well enough. Um it, it was a difficult chance, came at him quickly. He had to kind of move his body to to it was just behind him, had to try and get the shot on on target, and had it not been for a brilliant Raya save, um, would have announced himself as a Tottenham player with, with a goal in a North London derby. Um, then had the moment before um the sun goal, obviously, um, had a chance that was saved and was he got really involved um in, in a lot of what was going on. Um perhaps didn't get to see as much of his pace as we would have liked. Um, but again, we'll, we'll see more of that against supposed lesser opposition, I think. Um, and yeah, I was just a, just a bit annoyed, really, that he picked up the injury um, because we were the, the better team in the second half. And I just feel like with his pace and with his ability, we might have carved out a few more chances in that second half we, we, if we'd got him on the ball um, and might have gone on to win Um how much did he go off maybe 15 minutes into the, into the second half was it before the hour mark or just after the hour mark it was the 62nd minute he went yeah. down yeah so you you look there's half an hour still to play um and i think he really could have come into his own um in that second period so well it was a real shame to to see him go off injured because yeah i think as gaps might have opened up for him um he could have been crucial to to spurs perhaps um taking all three points on sunday
0: yeah i was I'll use that
1: word, excited again.
0: I thought it was a really promising display. I really did. Yes, his finishing was a little bit rusty. It wasn't clinical. He had a few opportunities that he maybe could have done a bit better with. And really, even the one that Raya saved superbly was a scuffed effort. It could have been, a, if it may maybe been a, a better touch, it probably would have put it further into the corner. However, it was his movement that impressed me so much. He covered so much ground there's no coincidence that he was in that position for that effort because I felt he was constantly kind of pulling white all over the place on the right-hand side. He was constantly here, there, and popping up everywhere. Um, and I did think there were moments where you saw his pace. I think you could see he terrified Arsenal at times when he would suddenly, because you've got him and Son running down that side of the pitch. And Madison, I've, not, I've noticed, is no slouch either. He's actually got a little bit of a turn to pace of, of pace to him as well. Um yeah I think what excites me most about uh, Brennan Johnson is 22 years old and he's just got every bit to his game that I can see Poster Coglu just molding over the years to come he's got the pace he's got natural ability he can finish as well we saw that um when he came off the bench against Sheffield United the finish was delightful as was the touch before it was just unfortunate it was just a touch offside but I thought this was a big game, and yes, he did start slightly nervously, and he actually admitted when he came on against Sheffield United that it was a little bit nervous. But I do think that this performance will have will have helped him. He went into a real hostile atmosphere, um, and he was a big part of stuff. It was the kind of the, the scramble he caused um, that led to the first goal as well. Um, I think he could take a lot from the game, and fingers crossed. At the moment what happened to him doesn't seem too bad at the moment on initial inspection. He, it was a tight hamstring that was what he was uh, he was kind of uh, saying and he didn't want to make it worse, uh, which was why he kind of pulled up and went down. Um, obviously, you could see the physio stretching out his leg as he was lying there as well, which you do not do if it's like a tear or a strain or something. Um, so that definitely lent weight to the, the tight hamstring thing and now it's a case of him being monitored this week really to see whether it remains tight or whether it's something that uh, he can kind of play with. And I'd love to see him against Liverpool. I hope he's in a position to be able to play against Liverpool because I just think his pace... And I love the fact that, yes, I did feel it was tough on Richarlison, who'd come on and done so well but the thought of Son Kulisevsky and Johnson as a a, a trident, an attacking trident is such a terrific one because you've got two pacey players who can stretch defense and you've got someone like Kulisevsky who can just dribble past players with his strength at whim. He really can at will even. Um, Yeah, no, I I was impressed by Johnson and, and I think there's a lot, lot more to come. And also kind of can't, rule out the fact that he's also, I think he's playing a little bit of catch-up fitness-wise as well. He had an ankle injury in pre-season. I think he only got about 10 days of pre-season for Forrest. And he's kind of ever since is trying to get his game sharpness, but didn't have that underlying fitness. So that will come as well. Um I actually thought Mana Solomon did quite well when he came on for him. He looked quite bright. He worked hard, caused them some issues. Um, yeah, they're, 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 like I said we kind of said this in the last pod how what's what an awful shame it is for Ivan Perisic being out with such a long term injury but if there's anywhere on the pitch there's a lot of options yep. it's right there um and yeah Johnson's ability to play anywhere we didn't know where he was playing to begin when we saw the lineup because there'd been a suggestion that Kulusewski had been working as a, on the left hand side at some points during the week There'd been talk of maybe Johnson playing through the centre. And then when he was on the left, it was like, okay, that's fine. That's cool. And, it, and he showed that it was quite interesting because you had two players that were more likely to cut inside. Um, and I actually felt that that, in its own way, caused Arsenal some problems as well. So no, I, was, I was impressed with him. And last young player for me uh, was uh, Papa Matasar, who just, <laughs> he just strolls around games and, um As if he is like 34, he's just got this incredibly old head on young shoulders, and the box-to-box nature of his game as well lends itself to the role perfectly that Postacoglu wants. In one moment, he can be taking a shot at the other end or floating in across, and the next moment he's back on the edge of his own box tackling. And I think that helps someone like Basuma as well, because Basuma, he gets around the pitch, and he look again. I felt he was terrific as the game wore on. But I think he does need a runner alongside him because there are times when Basuma will just go, "Okay, I'm not going back for that," <laughs> and then you can let someone like twenty year old Papo Matasar make that run back. Um, actually, sorry, he's turned twenty one now, Papa Matasar. But uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, we probably we've spoken about Papa Matasar. I won't say he was one of the stars of yesterday. I know some of the Arsenal play, uh, sorry, Arsenal reporters were very impressed with him, probably because they haven't seen him too much. And I was yep. kind of was trying to point. He's actually, been better in other games, yeah. I thought, yeah, I thought that, yeah. He was good by actually thinking, especially like against Man U, I thought he like ran the show for longer periods, he was so good. Um, and the other one is is, is Kudasevsky, you know, he's only 23. Again, I didn't think he had a huge impact on the game, but he's just such a threat. And I was looking up his numbers, he's only played 54 games in the Premier League. <laughs> it's like you kind of feel like he's been in it for an age. And he's got nine goals and 15 assists. So he's almost got a goal involvement in almost every other game, despite the fact that he is 23. He only turned 23 this year. And we're kind of, I think we're a bit harsh on Kudusiewski at times. I think we expect so much because of the ridiculous start to his time at Spurs. Um, and he is just, yeah, I think there's so much more to come from him as well. Um, and yeah, Postacogli was raving about them all afterwards, just, just saying that, you know, Vic, that's his first derby. Vicario, Destiny, Van der Ven, Papa Matassar, Brennan Johnson, they're all in their early 20s. Porro, even Kudusiewski's only 23. It was a young team, but I'm just super proud of the experienced players we had in there as well. Uh, Romero was outstanding. Basuma's been brilliant all year. Madison and Sonny were just on a different level. Sorry, Madison and Sonny was on a different level, not just his goals, although they were outstanding, but his work rate, his work ethic, that's difficult to say, was incredible. Um, and actually, another young player, Velis, who we spoke about in the last pod, was on the bench. All this about he's not going to get any minutes the second half of the season, and there he was. And I'm told he had a really, really good week of training, um, where he really impressed Postacoglu and the coaches, with his finishing especially. Uh, so he ended up being on the bench. But we're just going to quickly move on to the experienced players. Madison and Son. Can they become, and I don't want to, I'm going to say his name really quietly because people get annoyed when I mention him. Can they become the new Kane and Son?
1: <laughs> Potentially. Um, yeah, they're all, they're already kind of, they're already becoming that, um, the, the partnership that we rely on, aren't they, going forward? Um, again, I think if, if they'd been able to stay on the pitch um, a bit longer, Madison obviously a bit cautious um, of that, what looked like a nasty little stretch um, out of the knee. Um, it, in the second half um, played on for maybe five minutes didn't he before then coming off and I think him and Son going off at the same time um, I think just blunted us a little bit in terms of going yep. going really for the jugular going for the win um, at, the, at the Emirates um, so yeah they're, they're, they've they've <sighs> I, I, I was part of the group that interviewed um, Sonny in the mix zone um, at Bournemouth earlier in the season. Um, and Sonny was very, very loath to, because a lot of the questions were about Madison um, after that performance at Bournemouth. And Son was getting all these questions about how good is Madison, this, that, and the other. And he was very much, let's not, let's not all, let's not give him too much of a big head. Let's not talk all about Madison. It's it's about the team and we're all working these players, this other player, this other players doing this. Um, there's there's, no, there's not much more you can say about them really is there the we know how good son is um we knew how good Madison was when we were buying him and yeah the the fact that that is the new partnership now um is is amazing um for spurs they've they've started like a house on fire together and long might continue if they if they can get up to those those heights of kane and son then um, then then great
0: yeah, that's what's so encouraging about it is that it started so well and as as Madison said after the game, they're still learning each other's runs and he said it's very different when Sonny plays on the left to when he plays through the centres. It's a different kind of run you're looking for. Um, Madison's just a very intelligent player on a football pitch. Just You could see the way his brain works um, and sometimes you don't see how quickly it works. You realise afterwards, oh, I didn't even see that pass and I'm all the way up here looking out across the whole pitch. How has he seen that? in the cluster of it or in the middle of it all um yeah i'm very enthused about their partnership i really am and, and obviously yeah the kane and son partnership was you know one full of goals uh, this may be more lent towards assist with one player and goals for the other but yeah it, it's just what sonny needed and do you know what if you want to measure the efficiency of a performance i've got the son stats for you because this is remarkable i didn't even realize this do you know, he only touched the ball 18 times. Wow. Only, only touched the ball 18 times, 1-8, eight, yet he scored twice, had three shots, and played two key passes. And he was terrific. Honestly, Postacoglu raved about him afterwards and just how hard he worked. And he, he was. He was constantly running. Until the moment he came off, he was running and pressing and harassing every single Arsenal defender. And... Postercoglu admitted afterwards, both he and Madison hadn't come into the game 100%. They were both carrying kind of issues. I mean, Madison is just constantly strapped up and he's got thigh issues, got all kinds of things going on. Um, I think he maybe had a little knee complaint before he even came into the game. Um, it looks like, I think they're going to have to scan it, um, his knee. Watching him, we, we, where we were sat in a press conference, we could see him walking off to his medium too, and he seemed to be moving absolutely fine. And from what I understand, his initial kind of feeling afterwards is it was quite positive about how the knee was, um, and that you know it wasn't going to be something that's a bigger thing. Obviously, the scan will uh, show if there's anything more to it, and of course, you know, I mean, we get it on a smaller scale when we play five a side and things like that. But you know, when you wake up the next morning, everything feels that little bit worse than it did in the adrenaline kind of fueled moments during the game and after. Um, but yeah, we can they, certainly do with him against Liverpool. Oh, honestly, that's the issue is that there, like you say, there were a blunted a bit when, when he, I think maybe more so when he came off, Sonny obviously had been incredible, but I think with Madison, you lose a lot of your creativity as yeah. soon as he goes. There's no real direct replacement. Um, and if he doesn't, for some reason, play against Liverpool, I think it's too soon. Even if La Cilso's Training again to throw him in. I think you probably do have to play Kulusevski in that role, yeah. perhaps. But but that's that's a discussion for for closer to that time. Um, yeah, I, I was I was so impressed with Sonny. What he did off the ball was as important as the fact that he scored two goals. He's just become a terrific captain. He is the embodiment of what they want this Spurs team to be right now. Um, and Basuma as well. Basuma, what did you make of Basuma?
1: Yeah, excellent again. I love Eve Bissouma. I loved what he did at Brighton and was so disappointed in how his first year turned out uh, under Conte last year. So, um the real Eve Bissouma is is back for Spurs. Um what a what a player he is. Just he's, he's just he feels like a Rolls-Royce midfielder really. Um just give him the ball and he'll a little bit like Moussa Dembele. Loved Musa Dembele. Just what a player. And every player that played with him loved Moussa Dembele, obviously. And I get a little few of those vibes about Yves Bissouma when he gets on the board and, and feel like he can just turn away from anyone that's marking him and just stride up the pitch with the ball and and then give it to, to Madison or give it to Kudelski, give it to Johnson out wide. Um, yeah, what, what a player. Love, love him to bits, really. Yeah, he's superb. He's superb.
0: I felt... Yeah, I felt he started off a little bit shakily. There was a couple of times he was dispossessed or gave the ball away. But again, another one that just grew as the game wore on. And he was doing all the media ahead of the game as well. I think he spoke to the Sunday papers and he also did a bit for Spurs on their in-house stuff. And he's just so comfortable. And he was talking about... Because remember, we had that Potskoglu admitted that he had to tell him off the day after praising him. Yeah, um, And I think... If I, if I remember correctly that um basuma said that it was because his car broke down or he had a flat tire or something that was why he was late it's like yeah i think he was a little bit more uh i think he was more a bit known for his his uh late arrivals, but apparently ever since has been absolutely you know on point in getting there nice and early and he claims he's the first one in the training ground <laughs> every day i love that expression that's for me is the same as He's the last one off the training pitches every day. It's like yep. they can't all be because they always say this. You just imagine all these players like waiting by the line, going, oh, "Who's going to get off first? Who's the last man?" And I can't imagine that he's the first man in every day.
1: Sure, have to keep an eye on those videos that Spurs put out when when they arrive for training or arrive for matches and see if he's actually the first one. Obviously, it could Absolutely. be edited by Spurs, but you wouldn't think they would uh, change the order of, of how they come in.
0: You wouldn't think so, but yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, I always find stuff like that amusing. I forgot to say on Madison as well. There was a bit of Madison Saka bants, darts bants going on. Um,
1: You're far too old to say the word bants, Ali. Come on.
0: What bants? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes,
0: my uh, my daughters are often telling me that. Um, yeah, I th- essentially with Saka was it was after the penalty, wasn't it? He went over and did the little kind
1: of uh, throw and then darts did it again thing. for the second goal as well.
0: Oh, did he do it for the the? I didn't realize he did it for the Romero own as well. Yeah. Uh, right. So, yeah, Madison kind of uh, had his little bit ready when it was time for his uh, time for his club interview. He said, uh, "Me and uh, Biaca uh, had a bit of a uh, banter and a bit of trash talking, if you like, on international duty." I got told that he did the dart celebration. He must have still been doing it when I turned him for the first goal. I think <laughs> so. I'll have a little word with him in there. Um. Yeah, he did. It was something. It was it was kind of fitting, I guess, that he, it was Saka that he absolutely turned inside out. Um, but I like Saka. I know it's this thing that you know when it's Spurs and Arsenal, you're not meant to really like any of the Arsenal players, but I like Saka. I think I've just had a
1: conversation this morning with one of the Arsenal lads in the office, um, and uh, he said, um, oh, there's far too much I like about the Tottenham team, um, and I don't I don't like it, but I like the team. And I said I responded with. It's annoying, really, because there's a lot to like about the Arsenal team as well, from my point of view. So, um, I still hate yeah. them, obviously. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but you
0: know, at London. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, I, I
0: like Saka, and I really like Rice as well. I was like, when he went there, I was like, oh, no, it's another yeah. player that I really like as well. Yeah. Um, if they ever sign Jude Bellingham, then I'm in really wow. trouble. no thanks. Anything. No, God, there's a player, but that's, like, that's a whole other topic. Um, Yeah, I mean Basuma's excellent. You spoke about Romero earlier, kind of just was going to round out the the leaders of the team. I did feel that Aside from those two really unfortunate moments, you know, I had to give him a six in my player ratings and I felt really bad about doing that because ultimately his game around those moments was excellent. I mean, he had three tackles, one interception, six clearances, and like I say, post Coglu called him outstanding after the game. But there were two key moments, whether he meant them or not, that unfortunately... Yep influence the game and it's it's a really harsh way of marking. that's that's the trouble with player ratings sometimes it's just it's a bit like when there's a goalkeeper that does nothing you can't give them a good score yet they didn't do anything wrong yep. so it's, like, it's, it's a really awkward way of looking at it all um but that's player ratings that, that's the fun of them but i thought romero was very good again um i think we've covered everyone if even richarlison came on and made a bit of an impact Hoybier came on and brought a bit of experience, didn't do too much from an attacking sense, but brought on that attacking side to things. Um, but I just think the key takeaway for me was that all the talk pre-match was about uh, this being a bit of a barometer of the early days of the Postacoglu reign. What do you think we learned from, about Postacoglu, his methods, and where is teams at right now?
1: I'm not sure as Spurs fans, we learned a great deal more than we already knew. Um, I think we knew going into it that He would not shy away from the way he wants to play football. He was not going to shut up shop and and try and grab a draw that way. He was going to continue playing the way he wants to play. He wants to play entertaining football. Uh, He wants the fans to enjoy um, watching Tottenham. Um, And that's what they do. It doesn't matter who they're going to play against. Um, They're going to go and and play their game and and trust in what they do. So, yes, we saw a couple of mistakes at the back because that's how he wants them to play. That's how it's going to be in every game. We've seen that in, in other games already this season. He's going to go and attack Arsenal, which we did. Um, and on another day, could have perhaps come away with all three points. Um, so yeah, not nothing new to learn as such. But I think I, I said they're
0: too. further down the line slightly. That's what I was
1: just going to say. Yeah, I'd, yeah. Going into, I said it last week, I think, or on a previous podcast with you. Um, well, I think we're all quite happy with this season being a kind of let's let's get used to Ange Postacoglu's methods and. Let's transition, as it were, a club that always seems to be in transition. <laughs> Let's transition and kind of build a platform and then go in uh, 2024, um, as the first proper season under Ange Postacoglu. So yeah, we are, we are much further along. I, I thought we would not necessarily struggle, but it would take us a while to get going just because that's how it's been. Wherever Postacoglu's gone before, it takes a while for his methods to get across to the players. But perhaps we've done the Tottenham players a disservice perhaps they're they're intelligent enough perhaps they're mature enough um to 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 have taken we thought they were thick. no I didn't <laughs> say that you said that um <laughs> they've taken they've taken these things on board straight away and have just said yeah okay we can we can do that we can play like that Um we're happy to play like that um and yeah for much further along than um, than than we thought and for me, it's kind of like, we knew the Arsenal was going to follow, be followed up by Liverpool next weekend, bring on Liverpool next weekend, um, and let's see how we get on with that. And if we are still unbeaten after that, then there's a, a run of less uh, teams to, to play against after that. We we knew that Arsenal and Liverpool back-to-back was going to be difficult. One point down away from home, let's try and get all three against Liverpool in a, in a fixture that we're notoriously bad in. Um, and... Then you're really looking ahead to the rest of the season and thinking what might be.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I just feel like Tottenham Hotspur was just desperate for Ange Postacoglu, even if they didn't realise that at the time. He really—it was just a club that had lost its identity. It lost. It was just fearful. The players were fearful of what was happening in matches. They'd stagnated. Players weren't developing. They needed someone that could grab a hold of all of that and and essentially not only bring it back, but take it to a different level. And there's so much more to go. It's such early days. But just what we've seen in such a short space of time is remarkable, really, what he's done. Um, and I'm going to put this question to you. I might, I've put this in my talking points, and I might be being unfair, especially because I do feel like Antonio Conte... Um, did terrific things in his first season with Spurs. Took Spurs up into the top four when it looked incredibly unlikely when that season began with Nuno. Well, after those magnificent three uh, 1-0 wins at the start. I just, yeah, I'm going to put the question straight to you because this was something we used to always wonder as among us kind of journalists. And I think it was a feeling within the club at the time. Which players did Conte develop and improve?
1: wow that's the issue
0: you make that everyone makes that noise
1: it's it's hard to say he brought benton Coor, and Kulusevski with him didn't he from from well obviously from italy from from juventus um i think Slightly perattitude technically you, yeah. Yes, yeah, yes but yeah, i think you
0: did he, did he improve them or did they just make an instant impact
1: uh, well, they made an instant impact, of course, um, but you can look back at, and you never know with, with football fans, whether they've actually grasped exactly what's going on on the pitch and, and how good these players are, but there, were, there, were, there there seemed to be a feeling that Juventus didn't need either of them, Kura um, yeah. or Kulusevski. So you could make that argument, um, but as you say, it could just be that they made an instant impact. Um, Harry Kane scored 30 goals in, in a poor team under Conte last season. Did... Conte improve Harry Kane or was that Harry Kane always in there? I think we all know that that Harry Kane was always in there. Um, it didn't yep. need a manager to do that. So there are three potential examples, um, but you can make a case. You can certainly make a case for Harry Kane not being improved because it's just him. Um, and the, the two that came from Italy, you could potentially make a case for. But as as you argue, it might just have been them just making an impact and, and not and Conte having nothing to do with it. Yeah, I
0: must say, I'm not saying that is a bad coach. I'm oh, not anything like that. His career shows absolutely otherwise. But I just kind of feel that when you look back on his short period with Spurs, it's very difficult to see players that he hugely improved. I would say that Sonny had one of his best seasons ever under him and then had one of his worst seasons ever under him. So- I would just say
1: he's not that sort of coach, though, is he? He's not the sort of coach to develop players. He gets results with kind of he players that players. know it and can do it.
0: Yeah. He can improve players, certainly. I mean, let's be honest. He he took players like um oh my goodness, at Chelsea, who was Victor Moses winning, That's it, Victor Moses. Turned Victor Moses into, you know, a Premier League title winner and and he can improve players. And again, I know it, it sounds incredibly harsh way, but I'm I'm kind of using this to a point because only because it was something that we would constantly ask ourselves among the journalists and, and even like I say among kind of staff within the club as well, would talk about this. It's like He's definitely improved the team as a whole in that first season, but which players can you say, "Oh yeah, look how they play now?" I mean, you could really drill down and maybe say little things like Ryan Sessionon maybe had a better moments, <clears throat> excuse me, under Conte um, and started to show what he could do, but obviously injuries kind of interrupted that progress. Uh you could say that Ben Davies played some of his best football under him as well, but you're really struggling I think overall to look at kind of many players that massively improved and the reason i say this is postocogli we're only six games in everyone looks like they've improved yeah. pretty much <laughs> every player in that starting 11 feels like they're in a different kind of space now even madison has come in and it feels like he's a better player than he was at leicester um and you've got van der ven playing a very good level in the bundesliga for Wolfsburg, but he's come in and feels like he's even now gone to another level already at spurs at 22. destiny doggy raved about in Serie A but it feels like he's been it's almost like the way Postacogu has prepared him for the Premier League and the adaptation has been as impressive and the same with Vicario so yeah I mean you know Antonio Conte fans may well say to me yeah but all those players have made an instant impact maybe they're the same as Benton and Kulusevsky. that's quite right um but then I give you Yves Basuma. it's I clear throw, to me yeah I throw Yves Basuma in your face and I say Look at what he has done. That is probably the biggest mess that Conte ever made. Mistake, whatever you want to call it, was turning Izbisuma into, or trying to turn him into something he wasn't in a rigid system, complaining about his lack of ability to like take on tactical stuff and defensive stuff. I'm sorry. You just let Basuma do his thing. You build your midfield around that. Yep. And and that's just pretty much what Postacoglu's done and just infused confidence back into him. Papa Matasar. Papa Matasar was terrific against AC Milan. Antonio Conte went, Oh, thank you for that. Now go and stand over there. And that was essentially what he did. Whereas, you know, Postacoglu's gone, no, no, this this kid's gonna be just a world beater. You know, like I say, they call around the club, they call him Star Boy. That's what the players call him, because they believe he's just going to be this phenomenal. Um, you know, young player, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm very excited about the way uh Postacoglu's going with this team and what he can do. Um, there was a nice um quote from Madison afterwards. He said, "Neutrals talk about Tottenham. They'll often say weak, soft, bottle it, Spursy, all that rubbish. I think the last couple of weeks show we might be going in a slightly different direction." Love not, that.
1: He- not slightly different quite a different direction. All very different. And even
0: Arteta afterwards was asked about Spurs. And for some reason, one of the aggregators only used the end of the quote that I put out there, which is a shame because he actually was quite praising of Spurs as well. He said, I think they're a really good side. They're really well coached. You can feel the spirit in the team, the energy in them. But I think six games is too early for everyone to discuss essentially what they'll be competing for at the end of the season. Um, Yeah, there's. I mean, actually, there's a little Arteta... Postacoglu link because Postacoglu when he was Yokohama F Marinos when he was with them he went to City because it was all part of the City group to watch them train for a week um, and he watched a lot of the work that Arteta was doing as a an assistant coach to Pep on the on the training pitch so there is a little bit of a connection there um, and yeah yeah, it's. Uh, I think there's a, there's a mutual appreciation there. Although, yeah, don't dare tell Postacoglu they're similar. He doesn't no. like that. <laughs> he listed a million reasons why they're not, including his age, his hair, and his <laughs> waistline. I think there's another <laughs> one as well. Um, but yeah, I love the fact that nobody was particularly delighted by the result, but I think a lot of them were happy by the performance. Yeah, And even Postacoglu went over to the fans and like, did a real kind of fist, like, pumped his fist into the air as if to say, yeah, we're coming now. Watch out for us kind of thing. And then there's so much more to come. Um, yeah, Liverpool this weekend. <sighs> yeah, we won't go too much Liverpool because we we're going to maybe try and do a second pod this week and, and and talk about that. And obviously, we should get some injury updates as the week goes yeah. on, on on both Johnson and Madison, which hopefully, hopefully the initial signs are positive and hopefully that stays that way. Um, but it's just about Spurs being brave now. And it's about the fans being patient because not every day is going to be like this. We're going to have days where Spurs will have hiccups. There are going to be days when they're going to be punished for passing out from the back. It may happen against Liverpool. It may do. Um, It may happen in any game. You know, the likes of a Man City might thrive on playing against Tottenham. But I just kind of feel they're building towards something. And that's the most important thing. Um, Right. We could probably wrap it up there I think. I think we've covered pretty much is there anything we feel we've missed from the game? Anything you feel that we haven't covered?
1: No, I think we covered the main aspects of the game there. Um and went pretty much through the entire first 11 um with a couple of the subs yeah. as well. So um yeah, we've we've got <laughs> Liverpool to look forward to at the weekend. So yeah, we'll discuss that on another pod perhaps later in the week.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's just it's just lovely to speak after a North London derby and not be crying into our coffee and tea and and actually uh have lots of constructive, positive stuff to talk about on, and not to like a valiant defeat. Oh, can't we pick the positives out of defeat? Um, it was actually a game that, yeah, Spurs took a point and like you say, probably could have done more so from as well. So, uh, yeah, so we're going to head off now. Thank you very much for listening as always and hopefully... We'll be back in the week to, to preview Liverpool and what's to come in what I think is going to be a very noisy game at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Um, so thanks again for joining me, Lee. Um, and yeah, we're going to head off now and uh, keep an eye on for football.london for everything we're going to write, obviously, uh, in the coming week. There's plenty still to dissect into the game we've just had and there's plenty more to come as we look ahead to Liverpool. Yeah, we're going to head off now. Thanks again for listening. So to grab a huge discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash goldguest and you can receive an extra four months for free and there's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. The link is in the episode description box.